Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex, and the PGA Tour, as we know it, is dead. The schedule changes and the compensation announcement by the PGA Tour on Wednesday marks a significant and unprecedented change in how the biggest and best tour in the world will operate. Rex and I will give you what you need to know and what it all means. Plus, look ahead to the Tour Championship and the staggered start. Can Scotty Scheffler cap a dream year? Can Patrick Cantlay go back-to-back? Will Cam Smith create complete and utter chaos, fingers crossed, or will someone else from back in the pack win this thing? But first, the new Chrome Soft Golf Balls from Callaway are better for the best and better for everyone. This new family is available in Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X, and Chrome Soft XLS. Each of these golf ball offerings incorporates the company's proprietary new precision technology for the tightest dispersions, consistently fast ball speeds, and total performance. And of course, they deliver the soft, responsive feel and control that players love. Now, these new golf balls are available now. You can head over to CallawayGolf.com to see which Chrome Soft is right for you. Rex, it must be the PGA Tour season finale because I absolutely obliterated, crushed that pod read. Uh, thank you to our good friends at, at Callaway for sponsoring us this entire PGA Tour season. We are together Uh Although we are not technically together, we are technically in this. Okay, so we're technically in the same hotel, but we are not uh, recording this uh, together in the same hotel room. That seems like an oversight. Uh, also, this was the least convenient hotel I think you have ever put us in. Please uh, defend yourself. Well, no, because I wasn't going to be in the same room as you today. I mean, you. I'm probably going to violate your HIPAA laws here, but whatever's going on with that rash, I don't want to be anywhere close to you this week. Just talked it over with the wife. Uh, Folks, I do have a little bit of a rash. Uh, It developed this morning uh, in the armpit region. Uh, Discovered this a little bit. It was a little bit scaly. I would say a little bit rough uh, this morning when I woke up at four o'clock to begin the uh, long, arduous drive uh, from Ponte Vedra to Atlanta. Noticed it. Uh, pretty significantly under my armpit, uh, uh, jostled my, my wife awake uh, to look. I said, hey, am I having an allergic reaction? And all I got out of her was, mm. uh, so um, <laughs> uh, never got a definitive answer on that, folks. So I do not know if I'm having an allergic reaction, if uh, the new body wash uh, that she purchased from Dove uh, is not quite hitting a spot or, per, or potentially uh, it could be deodorant later, although I've used this deodorant uh, each and every day of my life uh, since I started using deodorant when I was 12. So who knows? Uh, probably the best idea, Rex, for you to uh, record this separately. We will, however, uh, be at a dinner tonight uh, hosted by our friends at the PJ Tour Communications Department. Rex, this is the first time I've covered the Tour Championship since 2009, back when I was in college at the University of Georgia. I did not know that there was a PJ Tour comms dinner tonight, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, and it's a good restaurant by, by all uh, accounts that I've been told. And how many times have you gone? You've gone to WebMD a couple of times today. Like you've punched in all of these scaly, rashy, new deodorant. You've, you've looked this up, haven't you? When you tell people that you have a rash, don't uh, tell it gets people, them very alarmed. Show people. It gets them very alarmed. It, it, I mean, it's better than telling them you got COVID. I, I remember when COVID used to be a thing. Now you, a guy can't have a simple rash. Guy can't have a simple rash. I feel like when you you floated that out there today, all of us sort of recoiled like, uh, that's gross. Like you could have said, I have COVID 
And we probably all would have been like, all right, go stand oh, over there. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel, hope, hope you feel better. What a mask. No, I've got a, Stay I've got away a rash. You, but, not, and, and then you showed spreading. the group of people we were with. Like, so, and I, I'm just, it's not, it's not spreading. Are you sure? I'm sure. Yeah. It looks exactly the same as it did this morning at four 30. You know exactly how they track that, right? Again, you, you, you've been on WebMD. You know how to track this, right? No. Take a Sharpie right now. You've got a Sharpie in your bag and then put whatever the outer limits are of the rash. And then you can see perfectly if it's spreading or not. Hmm. I feel like applying Sharpie to the skin uh, could cause it, uh, further issues. I, I don't know what's wrong with your delicate skin. But if there's anyone in the audience within the sound of our voice who has anything about any idea what this could possibly be, because it's absolutely disgusting. I won't be sitting next to you uh, for dinner. I will say that the, the, the comms dinner for the PGA Tour is one of the highlights of the year. It's always people. And, and keep in mind, I mean, again, we like to peel back the curtain a little bit here. And we don't like anyone. We don't like anyone else. It's not even that we don't like anyone else. It, it's that it, like sometimes the relationship with the PGA Tour, and even at Golf Channel with us being a partner, it's contentious. Sometimes you, you need to report things they don't want you to report. And they, it's, it's always sort of this tug of war, this give and take between what they're willing to give you and what you I want. Remember when a col- I remember when a particular column got punted. Yep, I remember. Yeah, okay. So there is, there is an edge to all of this. And, but this particular night, because it's all the folks from the comms department from the top down, and we, you like them all is what you realize. You spend as much time with them as you do your family. Oh, I like the PJ Tour comms department way more than i like fellow golf writers wow okay that's that's hurtful but i appreciate that um i will say that it's an enjoyable night because everyone lets their guard down that being said they could not have picked a worse day for this and they had no idea i'm sure this was going to happen but man it's either there's going to be no way to slice it it's just going to be tense tonight folks tense i i'm anticipating they're going to pop dom perignon ace of spades I mean, they don't be... want to hear our jokes. They don't want to do more jokes and jokes and jokes. Like they, they they've had, they've been through a hard week. It's been a hard day. Uh, Commissioner Jay Monahan had to sit there. This is a celebratory hour. day for the PGA Tour. There, there have not been many wrecks. Oh, I don't think the so. Past because... six to nine months. Well, so Laura Neal, who runs the comms department, I've known Laura for a long time, and she does an amazing job. I have a, a monsoon of respect for her. I will say this: that her and I were texting back and forth while I was trying to report and go on air and write and everything else that went into it until, and it's going to be fun tonight when I ask her, like, you finally got fed up with the text. She finally just stopped. Like, okay, I'm done with Rex. I'm not even going to respond to him anymore. I'm going to pretend like he's not there. I'll see you at 730. I'll buy an extra appetizer. Yes. Otherwise, otherwise we're done here. That's right. Because I I think it, and again, it's this love hate relationship. And again, we have so many good friends with the comms department. But it was such it was one of those days where and I, I agree with you, this was a good day for the PGA Tour. Everything that came from this, I, I, I certainly have there's details that the devil is just rampant through. But if you look at the big picture, which was coming out of last week's meeting, Tuesday's meeting with all of those top players, whatever came out of that, the one thing that everyone knew is that this was an effort to get all of the top players competing against each other more often. And by any stretch, I think they accomplished that. Okay, folks, so here are, I would call this a 30,000 uh, foot view. If you want more specific details, make sure you head over to golfchannel.com. We have a uh, tsunami of future schedule changes and compensation type content. You should be uh, fully satiated by the time you consume all this content. Now, the bi- here's, here's the big takeaway. Top players 
on the PGA Tour are going to be committed to playing at least 20 events on the PGA Tour schedule, almost all of them in the same events. So now there are 12 elevated events. You can probably guess which ones they are. They're the four major championships, the Players' Championship, three FedEx Cup playoff events, as well as the Century Tournament of Champions at Kapalua, Genesis Invitational, Arnold Palmer Invitational, Memorial Tournament, WGC Dell Match Play, and three additional, excuse me, four additional elevated events, which will be announced sometime in the next two months. All of those purses will have at least an average of $20 million. So the top players on the PJ Tour are going to be playing all of those events as well as three additional FedEx Cup events that they can then choose. Now, you may be saying, hey, what's a top player? We have said that as well. It's, it's just like it kind of goes without saying, right? You think top, top players. You think, oh, Rory, Jordan. No, Justin, but how do you define Rob, a top player? Colin. How does this happen? What is a top player? That's a good question. Rex, that's a great question. And, folks, the answer is a top player, quote, a quote-unquote top player, not just a top player, a quote-unquote top player will now be defined as the players who finish in the top 20 under the current uh, player impact program. Just reading the talking points. That's all you're doing. You're going down the middle and reading the And players who finish in the top 20 under the revised PIP criteria. Rex, this has, I think, been a point of – consternation today uh, certainly have been a point of confusion a lot of people in this announcement i don't think mr jay monahan did a, a terrific job of outlining it thought that finishing in the top 20 of the pip was some sort of exemption category into events it is not this is simply an expanded way to award the players for moving the needle in their sport during the calendar year. Now there are going to be some different metrics that they're going to be using. It's basically awareness, broadcast exposure, media, internet searches, that sort of thing. But those are the top players. If you finish top 20 in the pit, you are a quote unquote top player and you will then be committed to all of these elevated events. So when you zoom out Rex, what this means is that for the first time, the very best players on the PGA Tour in a coordinated move will all be playing in the same tournaments. That means fans. That means network executives. That means people like you and me. We all know when the best players in the world are going to turn up at an event. And I think that that is a significant move for the PGA Tour. Yes. Again, if you're going back to last Tuesday's meeting, and the one thing that we all knew is getting the top players together more often. And if that was the goal, then I, I, you have to give the tour credit, not only for pulling off something that seems to be heading in that direction, because we, we all have to see how it plays out. Let's see how next season plays out. And certainly 2024 would be the one where that's where the, the real changes get implemented. Let, let's wait two years and let this sort of breathe a little bit. That being said, I even give the tour even more credit because the tour does nothing quickly. In two plus decades of covering the tour, the only thing I know for absolute certain is they don't make a decision in a week. They don't make any decision in a week. They don't decide what color shirts they're going to wear in a week. 
let alone make dramatic schedule changes like this. I think I asked the commissioner this afternoon if it went through the regular process and he didn't go into details, but his quote to me was, it is atypical because we're talking about last week's meeting when the top players sat down and decided this was the proposal we're sending to the tour. That's a really small window for them to have pulled this off. However, listening to Roy McElroy uh, today, who gave a press conference literally minutes after uh, Commissioner he was watching Jay, Jay Monahan, yeah, he was he was, he was, he was listening the entire time. But it was not like these guys put their heads together for three and a half hours at the hotel uh, Dupont in downtown Wilmington and came up with this. It no. sure sounds like, in listening to Roy McElroy, that Tiger and Rory had spearheaded this movement and had been engaged in meetings over the past several months. And that instead of kind of the skull session last week in Delaware, it was more Tiger and Rory leading the discussion saying, folks, this is what we're doing. This is yeah. why we're doing it. And hop, hop, hop aboard. I think That's it was hard. less of a consensus and more of a, here's what we should do. Here's why. Let's take a vote. Okay. Tiger wants to do it. We're going to, we're going to be plowing ahead. And I think they wanted to get all of the top other top players on board. And they did that when Tiger flies all the way to Delaware to do this, as Rory calls him, he's the alpha, he's the loudest voice in golf. And he was going to be the best salesman the tour could possibly ever come up with. And to be fair to the tour, they had already implemented some of these changes. We already had quarter already had elevated events, elevated events. I don't think they called them those, but we already had events that the average purse was $20 million. And they were trying to find a way to get the top players to participate. They had already started looking at the player impact program and sort of trying to reinvent that and come up with a better way of identifying the quote unquote top players, which is you just explained. So yes, a lot of these wheels were already in motion. Probably the one that hadn't been in motion was the 20 event minimum. Keep in mind the previous minimum was 15 events and the penalty for not playing 15 events was you weren't allowed to vote for player of the year. That was the, that was the ultimate slap on the wrist that they would hand to players. You couldn't vote on player of the year and you couldn't vote on the pack, on the pack members. That was it. That was all that was on the line. If you didn't but play. Now, your 30, but now if you don't play your 20, you're not going to be getting your $15 million first place prize. You're not getting your payout from, from the PIP. And, and that's where this comes into play. And I, I guess you, you talked about the avalanche and there is a, a ton of content on GolfChannel.com. You guys go, please check it out. I leaned into on the column again, this was a move in the right direction. This was something that had been echoed over the last couple of years, and they found a way to pull it all together. And it's still, we still need to see how it's going to play out. I guess my only problem in the devil in this particular detail was defining the quote-unquote top player. I still don't know that we have the best way of doing that. And I went Super to, confusing. Super confusing. What super a, confusing. What and I asked for, and this is where the, the, the tour comms people cut me off, because I wanted details. Like, give me exactly – what, what lists we're using, what indexes we are using, what data we're using to come up with whoever this is. Because suddenly, this is much more meaningful than it ever was before. Not only are we talking about an, a tremendous amount of money, it's $100 million now going to the top 20 players each season on that PIP. But now you're also identifying them as the quote-unquote top players. There is something that comes along with that that you didn't have before. And I don't know, we might, these changes that they made because they got rid of the social media component and they got rid of the Q score component. These changes might be a move in the right direction. But when I go back to last year, the first pip and you have Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson finishing first and second, one of those guys didn't hit a shot in an official event. And the other had one top 10 
granted, it was a big top 10. It was a win at the PGA Championship and didn't qualify for the Tour Championship. Phil Mickelson. There's something wrong with that system identifying top players if we're trying to continue to refresh this system. Ricky Fowler is going to be a top player, and I hate picking See, he's – so he's – yeah, he's the guy Fowler. who I'm really curious – He's the guy I'm really curious about, Rex, because we look at some of this criteria. It, it involves general awareness and golf fan awareness. Obviously, every golf fan knows who Ricky Fowler is. I would say generally sports fans are aware of Ricky Fowler as well. I think about my mom. My mom would know who Ricky Fowler is. She would say, oh, that's the guy who wears the orange clothes. Now, he probably hasn't done that all that often recently, but she knows him as the kid uh, who used oh, to do Burke Dur- and wear orange close however is ricky fowler a top player on the pga tour no he barely kept uh his playing status for this season just sneaking into the fedex cup playoffs a year ago uh, he was outside the top 125 he's going to be exempt on tour but here's an important stipulation rex when it comes to these top players and this pga tour schedule in parentheticals it says assuming they qualify, assuming they qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs, assuming they qualify for the invitational type tournaments like Riviera and Bay Hill and the Memorial Tournament and the WGC Dell Match Play Championship, which, of course, is for the top 64 players in the world. That's going to be a little bit of a sticking point. Is there a workaround to get Ricky into those fields via sponsor exemption, some other category, I'm not sure. But you would certainly anticipate that when you look at some of these metrics for this player impact program and what would be a top player, Ricky Fowler would be in the top 20. He was not among the top 10 last year, which I actually found was a little bit surprising. But he would certainly be, if you expand that list a little further, uh, inside the top 20. Do you ever feel like, and, and Ricky is the perfect example here, but do you think he's sitting around right now wondering, why, why am I catching all these strays? Like, what have I done? And, and look, if you don't know Ricky, it, you just watched him on TV, let, let both of us just p- put it out there right now. He is, he is as nice as he is popular. Among, I mean, my, among my favorite players on the PGA Tour. Yes, and he used to complain a, a couple of years ago about him never saying anything in interviews. And, and he really doesn't. He reminds me of an NFL quarterback where he just wants to talk. His he's plan. just, he's just, he's just a little cautious. He doesn't want to say yeah. uh, anything remotely controversial that could potentially upset his myriad sponsors. Like I totally, I totally get it. And if I was in his position, I probably wouldn't either. And, but you get him one-on-one without the recorder on and he's enlightening enlightening and he's refreshing and he's honest and he's personable and all of those things. So how do you think he's sitting around right now thinking, why am I catching all these strays? Like so many strays I'm catching today. Like, I don't, I don't think it was a coincidence that he also flew with along with Tiger Woods on a private jet up to Delaware last week uh, ahead of the BMW championship to kind of sort through these, these scenarios, see exactly what it's going to take, see what it is going to entail. He has to, be figuring prominently into the PGA Tours plans moving forward. We just don't quite know what it is yet. And so I actually asked Roy McIlroy, so with some of these changes to the PIP, with uh, kind of the definition, this oh, vague now you're winding me up. I wasn't even going to – now you're winding me I, up. Why are you doing this? Of, of what a quote-unquote top player is, I said, are we shifting away from a meritocracy – towards something closer to a popularity contest. And he kind of scoffed at uh, the question and and gave me what I thought was an excellent answer and said, look, this is coming down 
to play better. If you, quote, work your ass off, play these events, you can be a top player on the PGA Tour. The focus for the PGA Tour moving forward, beginning in 2023, I think it really you're going to see it take shape in 2024 when you go back to the calendar year schedule. But I would say the short-term, medium-term, and long-term future with the PGA Tour is centered around making sure the product is as good as possible for the players, as Rory said, who want to be the best in the world. The guys who are just content to mop up two or three million dollars a year, kind of avoid the media attention, you know, have a couple of top 10 finishes each year and just go about their business. Those guys are kind of being pushed out, Rex, and that it's more an entertainment product. It's guys who are interested in their brand. It's guys who are there for the betterment uh, of the PJ Tour and making it as entertaining as possible. You got to remember, Rex, this is still regular season golf. Regular season golf is where we learn about players. It's where we develop storylines. It's where we can kind of uh, manufacture these stars so that when they get on the major championship stage, they can kind of cement their status in the game and make history. Regular season golf is still very much kind of a proving ground for the major championships. And so you need to make that as compelling and as entertaining as possible. And I think that's the direction that we're heading with these PJ Tour changes. How many podcasts do you think we've done? Hundreds. Hundreds? You think hundreds? Really? Hundreds. Huh. I mean, we've done we've done thirty. We've probably done forty this year, at least. Okay. I don't. And we've done this. We've done this podcast for a couple of years. Yeah, we're in the we're in the hundreds. We're in okay. multiple hundreds at this point. All right. So, and hundreds of podcasts. I would challenge anyone to go find one where I don't go on the record and say I'm in the bag for Roy McIlroy. Like there's a lot of reasons that just as a, as a pure player, like he's just entertaining to watch. And I agree with you. And, but as a person is really where this connects. Cause again, I'll go back to the Ricky thing. If you've ever had, who do you, who do you like more Ricky or Rory? Rory. And then that's not even a conversation because there's no one else on tour that I, I, I like more than Rory. I mean, that he's just an easy person to talk to. He's an easy person to relate to for whatever reason he's, he's sort of gotten to this point in his career and he has still stayed so human and so grounded and so down to earth. I mean, it's just amazing to me beyond the physical talents and what he does on the golf course. All that being said, it was Roy and Ricky can only, can only disappoint you at this point. All that being said was that was a terrible answer. I could not disagree with you more. And that was the basis of my column that I wrote today, essentially. Great question though, man, what a question. Yeah, what a question. Go back and look at the transcript. Uh, I would challenge anyone to go back and read the entire quote. And, and I'll tweet it tonight, just to be fair, just because I don't want to paraphrase and, and get something wrong that to be in all fairness. However, essentially what he said is play better. And you cannot slap someone across the face with play better when, no, that's not the way you get onto this list. The way you get onto this list remains a huge mystery. And that's sort of the, my problem. The qualification, the qualification criteria, you're right. The qualification criteria has not been released on how these fields will be assembled. However, you're going to have, as Jay Monahan said in 2023, you're still going to have 120 player fields for these invitationals. And that's all well and good. But going forward, we know that many of these events will go to short fields. We'll go to probably, probably like 70, 70, 70, 70, 70 feels like a magic number. That that's the number of players who will be qualified off the FedEx Cup points list going forward. So that makes a natural number. 
the idea that you can go out and again, I know that they have changed the criteria for the PIP. However, I could not get a straight answer of exactly what that might look like, and be, given how guarded they are. To Rory's point, the idea that you're going to throw play better out there. No, that doesn't work because you have young players, Cameron Young being a perfect example, Will Zalatoris being a perfect example, Sam Burns being another perfect example. Tell them what they need to do beyond play better and work harder because all three of those guys have played very well and they've worked very, very hard. However, there are different elements. I can tell you Sam Burns was not among the top 10 last year on the PIP. I've already gone through the players who were in the top 10 last year. Of the top six, six players out of the top 10 of the final FedEx Cup points list, we're not inside the top 10 on the PIP. This has nothing to do with what you do on the golf the PIP course. Is, the PIP is not an eligibility category. But no, it's, it's, merely, it's, merely, it's merely a way to pay them. I understand that. There's money involved, quite a bit of money involved, I'll point out. Again, $100 million. And there is an elevated essence to this, that once you're inside that magical top 20, it's almost like being an elected official who, once you have to do it again, it just becomes easier. Because once you're inside, now you're going to be the picture on tickets. You're going to be the picture on posters. You're going to be the one they put in feature groups. And it's just going to snowball. So, again, I'll go back to the idea that give me a blueprint of how beyond play better. Again, in the bag for Rory, but play better doesn't work. Give me a blueprint that says, okay, you do have to play better. You do have to work hard. But you also have to do these five other things. You have to work with a PR group. You have to engage with fans better. You have to engage with the media better. All of these things that make you one of these top 20 players. Give me that, exactly what they need to do, then I'll buy into it. But right now, I'm not buying into it. Patrick Cantlay, the reigning PJ Tour Player of the Year, of course, was, was not, not the among top the top 10. Xander was not the top 10. Victor Hovland was not in the top 10. Six players out of the top 10 didn't make it into the top 10 of the, of the PIP. Again, the PIP is not an eligibility category. It seemed, uh, listening to Commissioner Jay Monahan today, that it was. It is not. It's merely a reward system for these players, and those 20 will then have to play in those elevated events. They're still going to get the best players in the world, even if they aren't the most popular players in the world. There's a distinction to be made there. The PIP is basically identifying the most popular, not necessarily um, you know, resoundingly positive, but players with whom the general sports fan is aware they want those players to make sure that they are the most visible in their biggest tournaments. I understand that. Like it's not all of a sudden if Patrick Cantley does not qualify for the PIP and is not among the top 20, it's not like he's going to be sitting out the Arnold Palmer invitational. Like they're going to find a way to get him in the field. I will say though, Rex, and you bring up a great point. I think the most important part of this, of these entire changes they're unveiling is still to be determined. How they fill out these fields is hugely important because they need to strike the right balance of having these needle movers, right? Which may not necessarily be the best players in the world. And you also have to have a system in which you're rewarding, I would say, the hottest player in these non-elevated starts. And I think you also need to offer a pathway for some of these young stars who are coming out in the PGA tour to have direct access to this elevated series. And so I could envision if it's a 70 player field, look, you've got the 50 best players uh, on the PGA tour. You've got a sprinkling 
of players who are, are, are great, but they also qualified uh, via the PIP, then I would like to see, what, five to ten kind of open qualifier spots for, for guys who over the month of June, let's say, right, like had the best average finish or earn, earn the most money. That's a way where you have a Wills Alatoris, a Cameron Young, uh, a Sahith Thagal, who's a great example this year, a rookie who made it all the way to the Tour Championship. If those guys are absolutely tearing it up in these non-elevated series starts, if they go, if he goes hog wild at, at Colonial and Nelson, he, you know, he doesn't play in the PGA because he might not necessarily be qualified, and then he comes back and he, he has a great week in Canada as well. Like You can have an open qualifying system to make sure that that guy who has proved himself now gets a, a shot against the best players in the world, has access to that, uh, would, would obviously cash in with these $20 million purses. Striking the right balance with the field criteria is hugely important for the overall success of this. Because otherwise, if it's a closed shop or if it's confusing or it feels like they're just kind of cherry-picking tour favorites, that's where I think you could get into a little bit of a messy situation. Uh, the way it was explained to me by one player, and again, this is very much a work in progress, and I think the tour has a lot of work to do over the next 45 days. That's when they're, they're supposed to announce those additional four elevated events. But one of the ideas is, so it would be, and again, this is looking all the way ahead to 2024. So 2023 is kind of locked in. It'll be what we expected from that. But by the time we get to 2024, it could be the top 70 players for many of these elevated events. And 60 of them would qualify via various categories, including the top 20 that we're talking about right now. Again, not a qualifying criteria, but to make sure those 20 are in. And then the final 10, it's a 70 player field, would be almost from the week before. So if you, whoever the highest players are that aren't qualified, and that does open a door, that does create an opportunity for these players beyond play better. And I, I'm totally down with the idea that the PGA tour has always been really, really good at creating playing opportunities. I hate that. I hate a one week, a one week qualifier. No, it should essentially be a one week qualifier. If you, if you're in the week before and let's take Memorial. So whatever the event is the week before the Memorial, which I'm absolutely blanking on right now. That would probably be colonial. That'd probably be colonial. Is it colonial? Uh, Yeah. 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 So colonial. So if you finish inside the top 10 at colonial and you weren't otherwise exempt, then you would get it. That's the idea. Oh, so it's basically like the open qualifying series where it's the top three guys among the top 10 who are not already eligible. Yeah, sure. And again, See, I, don't, I don't, I don't like that. I like to, I like a larger sample size. I'm not saying I need six months. I'm saying, give me a month and it would essentially be a reshuffle, right? Like these guys played, you know, two or three events in that month and look, they earned the most money. They get to go for the next qualifying event like that's a that's a better way to do it as opposed to a quote-unquote fluky performance at colonial go to just for example's sake and i would also say that there's a huge amount of confusion and uh, the unknowns that go into this uh, we're talking about essentially 15 events but what happens to the other events on the pga tour they're not going away well, what becomes of them and that's the conversation there's an there's an a tour and there's a b tour and that's it. And, and there always has been. To be perfectly clear, there has always been an A tour and a B tour and probably a C tour if we want to break it down even a little bit more. But to define it so clearly, so of those four events that they would add to these elevated status events, 
I've been told that they're probably going to rotate these. The idea is every event would have the opportunity. And I found it interesting talking with the two Superstar different- Series heading to Silvis, Illinois. I don't the think John that would be a classic welcoming the best players in the world. Well, and, and maybe that, that could possibly be an option or you would have someone like, I guess, RBC was the one that came up because they're such a dedicated sponsor on the tour and they, they sponsor two different events. So you would assume that either the Canadian Open or the Heritage in Hilton Head after the Masters would be one of those two that would be pulled in either yearly or semi-yearly or every three years or whatever the case may be. I will say that there's other events that are probably fine with what they have right now, that they're not going to go to their sponsors because what that boils down to, what this comes down to is where your sponsor who wants to pony up. Who wants to pony up and where do you fall on the schedule? Because I'll just use this as an example, the Wyndham Championship, which has done a really good job of making the best of its date, being the last regular season event, it's kind of become a quasi playoff event. They're not going to do it there because that essentially means that the top players would play four weeks in a row and they don't want to do that. And so either if Wyndham does want to sign on and join this rotating cast, that they would probably have to move around. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. That makes sense. And like you, you also mentioned like Canada and the Heritage, both of uh, both of which are sponsored by RBC. Those are either in Canada's uh, Canada's position. It leads in to the U.S. Open. The Heritage comes a week after the Masters. Those are going to be tough sales wrecks for the top twenty players uh, in this pip to be absolutely committed to playing those tournaments. A lot of players like to take the week off. Before but you don't have to play them all either, to be clear. Like, you don't have to play all of these elevated events. You have to play most of them. Almost How all. many? Uh, 13 was the number, I was told. Well, no, that, Thir- I think that's in the press release, yeah. So 13. Wait, there are, there are 13. 15. Yeah. There are, there are 13. Well, there, no, there's a dozen. There's a dozen elevated events. Well, once we get to, and again, this is once you add the Once you add the four. Yes, yes, yes. Add the four, add the players, add everything else. So I think 13 is the magic number. So you can still mix and match a little bit. Not a lot. You don't have a lot of flexibility, but you have some. Which tournaments, Rex, do you anticipate uh, receiving, or I guess not anticipate, which tournaments would you guess uh, could be in line uh, next to get that elevated status? A little bit of an educated guess. Not a lot educated, but a little educated. I would say Scottsdale. It's probably going to be in that rotation. As I said, one of the RBCs, either Canada or Heritage, as you pointed out, both of those have scheduling issues. I'm sure RBC would be more than happy to pony up the money to get that field. So that's probably two. At Scottish, least you could Scott, Scottish Open, co-sanctioned. Scottish would be, Open would be another one. And, and I'm going to throw another one out there. And again, this is the perfect place for rumors in, in any window. I had one player who, when I was kind of running these scenarios by him, and I'm like, oh, well, okay, so the four PGA Tour events would essentially, you know, who were adding to that list as elevated events, they would, these PGA Tour events would just rotate. And he goes, those events would rotate. And I go, yeah, PGA Tour events. And he goes, those events would rotate. So think about that. Essentially, what he was saying is that we could also bring the DP world into this conversation. And there's probably some big events over there that would love to get in this game as well. And if you're, let's face it. Oh, BMW PGA makes a ton of sense. Yes, yes. Mm. So, and since Rory was a big voice in that room, Rory is still very much an advocate for the DP World Tour. I would expect to see some sort of movement there. Scottish Open is is a good first step, but that's also co-sanctioned is right before the Open Championship. 
I, I don't know if that would be a permanent solution, but the BMW PGA, that's a good one at Wentworth. Uh, I would think the Wells Fargo Championship. There's kind of a gap in the schedule, right, between the Masters and the PGA Championship. In and Torrey Pines. Torrey Pines would be the other one out there. Out there. Yeah, I, I think it's either Torrey Pines or, or Phoenix, right? Like you're, you're not going to have both of them. So one of those two makes a lot of sense to kind of have a, a, a second kickoff event along with Kapalua. Uh, and that five-hour time difference, yeah, Wells Fargo Championship sitting smack in between the Masters uh, and the PGA Championship would make tons of sense uh, as well. Rex, do you think that this was a – look, I, I think Liv has kind of simulated the idea of momentum over these past couple of months. By design, these uh, defections have kind of trickled out, out – one by one. Some of them uh, have been big names. Uh, you're thinking of Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, and Phil Mickelson. Others are kind of sneaky important, whether it comes to Abe Answer or Taylor Gooch or a Matthew Wolf. And then, of course, you have uh, those uh, basically just filling up the field. Now we have Cameron Smith, uh, who is reportedly uh, signing with Live Golf following the conclusion of the, of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And to me, that is a game changer and it kind of changes the calculus um, for the top players in the world. But this was a, 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 a massively significant day for the PGA tour because it actually feels like they have momentum now, real momentum, not just simulated momentum with these defections when it comes to live golf. They have a, they have a plan. It has been approved. They have the money. They, they, they they're, they're funneling it into these events. We know well, where the best players in the world well, are going to the money, be. The money, the money's a thing. The money's, the money's not drying up. They're the going to have 20. Drying up. They're going to have 20. They're going to have $20 million in those purses. Well, no, the purses aren't drying up. Where the money's That's what I'm saying. Is, a, is a question. Yeah. But, but the source of the money, there's always money. Uh, all right. Go ahead. It's kind of like our travel budget. Okay. We can always, we can always find $300 for that Hertz rental car. Can, says, can the man that, says the man that drove up to Atlanta. Go on. I did. I'm a company man. Saving the money uh, <laughs> for that, that for that airfare. How, how one to ten, Rex? How how significant was this uh, slate of announcements by the tour? Oh, eight, nine, sure. And and I'll go back to. I mean, you talk about momentum. I mean, I would say two Tuesdays ago when the temporary restraining order was refused by the judge in in San Jose. I think that was an, another big momentum swing. And the tour needed a win then, and it certainly got another one now. There's no doubt that had the players two years ago had the option between Live Golf and what's being offered now on the PGA Tour based on what they know is in the future, and it's just going to be an ugly slog of a fight trying to play in the major championships, trying to get world ranking points, trying to maybe even play PGA Tour events again. And, okay, this is your option. You can stay on the PGA tour and do this instead. I would be very, very curious to see how many of those players would have a different choice because I don't know. And I asked a player this just a couple of days ago, if what has been done now, which was announced today, is it going to stem the tide? And the player was very, very clear that if, a, if, if someone has made the choice that they're going to live golf, they probably signed a contract and they've already started to spend all that money that they've gotten. So no, it's probably not going to change their mind. But it's certainly going to impact players coming up, thinking to themselves, and we haven't even mentioned this, and it gets a little bit into the weeds. 
But one of the complaints is there's no guaranteed money. A player could come out on tour, earn his tour card, be happy as can be, and then play 20 events and miss every cut and lose a tremendous amount of money. The PGA Tour answered that today by offering essentially a a $500,000 minimum, which who among this wouldn't want a $5,000 minimum per year, which means that if you don't make $500,000, the tour will make it right on the back end to make sure that you earned at least $500,000 a year. All of these things go to the idea that the PGA Tour can't fight this battle with Live Golf with dollars, but they can certainly make it an easier choice for some players. They can they can persuade them with structure. They can persuade and them still and with, with history I mean, and legacy yeah. and, and, and players wanting to win these marquee events on the PGA Tour. Like they've grown up trying to win these tournaments they didn't grow up to try win the live boston event like they, they would like i think max homa said it best when he said they can't buy my dreams live golf is is new it's fresh uh i'm not sure it's necessarily exciting uh, although i do think some of the team element uh, has some potential there these these players for the past 20 years most of whom growing up in the shadow of tiger woods like wanted to win memorial and bay hill uh, Tiger didn't win at, Jez, Jen, at at Riviera, but like that's a marquee event on the PGA Tour. All these players have grown up wanting to win these premier events on the PGA Tour, and now the tour has given them a reason to stay. I think that's the most important thing, and I don't think it was by accident, Rex, that a lot of these players who have been linked uh, fairly or not to live golf were all in that player meeting uh, last week. In Delaware, thinking Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Joaquin Neiman. Um, uh, I'm blanking on some Joaquin of these other Neiman guys. Neiman was not in the meeting. Joaquin wasn't in the meeting. Joaquin was in the meeting. You sure? I've been told Joaquin Neiman was in the meeting. Okay. Um, those Cameron, Cameron Young, who had recently surfaced in rumors, they were all in the meeting. That seems to suggest, Rex, that everyone's on board with with this plan that seems to suggest that what they're proposing here uh, is going to satiate them. It's going to satisfy them. It's going to make them stay committed to the PJ tour. And in this ever growing battle with live golf, I think that's, I think that's important. It is. No, it, it is. And I, I think given what the tour could do, and again, I kind of question the finances here and the commissioner was asked about this today. Cause every time this is the second time, that they've made these significant increases and the answer has been, well, we took it from reserves. And so my question is, man, how much is in the seat cushions in Ponte Vedra? Because apparently they had a lot in reserve. I just, you, you have to start wondering at some point, how is this st- sustainable, right? Like you don't know if, can you, hey, can Jay, you- Jay, Jay Monahan said they have, they're having their best year ever. They're blowing out their budget. And, and certainly from the TV contracts, which they renewed across the board with, with the, the network partners and the cable partners and internationally and all of those things make perfect sense. And if you can sell to the networks going forward, it just gets better because of these elevated events. Now, if you guys can find a way to, to pony up for one of these elevated events, it's that much more exposure because we're going to guarantee you a field, which is something they've never been able to do before. So it's all very, very good. In that particular context, yes, you can make financial sense. But in the short term, I, I haven't heard him explain exactly how this is going to play out. I mean, do we really care about where the money's coming from as long as the money shows up? 
No, you, you don't care where the money's coming from yeah, until, until it's until not showing up. Then, yeah, I, I think right now it's fine. But I don't know how many tour players have texted me, like, where do they keep coming up with this? Don't if, you if, worry about it. As long if, as the check That much money to be had, why weren't we, we playing for this two years ago? Uh, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I, th- I certainly think Live Golf has, has provoked, has activated uh, some of these – uh, reserves or creativity to to kind of open up the wall a little bit like they they're not just making numbers up like they clearly have access to it uh and and live was just the threat that kind of uh unlocked it rex before we transition to the tour championship just to put a fine point on this and which i which i think is a a, a, a seismic day uh when it comes to the future of the pga tour the number that had been floated around last week is that the best players in the world were basically getting together 30% of the PGA Tour schedule. Now, when this transitions, the PGA Tour does, to a calendar year in 2024 with about a 35-event schedule, you now have the top guys, excuse me, quote, the top players uh, committed to at least 20 events. Uh, You're looking now at 50 to 60% of the time that the best players on the planet are competing against each other, uh, and that is a very good thing, Rex. The reason why we are uh, at the Tour Championship is not to listen to the commissioner, although it was a uh, very important press conference, or Roy McIlroy or Jordan Spieth, who also spoke on Wednesday. It is to cover the 30-man season finale. Unfortunately, Rex, we are down to 29. Will Zalatoris, uh, a winner in the playoff opener. You and I were both so excited. Uh, to have Willie Z finally in the winner's circle. He was slated to start in the number three, as the number three seed at the Tour Championship at seven under, three shots back. Unfortunately, he has withdrawn because of two herniated discs in his back. Not only will he miss uh, the season finale at Eastlake, he has also ruled himself out of the President's Cup next month. In a month's time, uh, he has already said that he will not be able to go. We can... uh, dive into that later rex on who davis love the third should look at there but when you look at this uh tour championship field this is the fourth year of the staggered start with scotty scheffler the master champion four-time winner of the season at 10 under par patrick cantley last week's winner at the bmw at eight under zalatoris is not replaced in the field and no one occupies a seven under spot so that is now vacant Xander Schauffele, who had a great week last week at BMW, chasing Patrick Cantley to finish at six under, and Sam Burns at five under. Give me some storylines to watch this week in Hotlanta. Uh, I think Cantley would be the one I go to. And again, we just sat here and had a conversation about him not being a particularly engaging person. But when I spoke with him yesterday, the similarities between last year and this year are impossible to ignore. He won the BMW championship to put himself into contention. Last year, and he ended up winning here at East Lake. He won the BMW last week. You see the same things in his body language. You see the same things in his game. So he would be the one I would watch. And, and look, when it, this is a one-off. Like, we do this one out of 52 weeks of the year. We sit and we talk about a staggered start, and it's hard to wrap our minds around. I'm sure it's hard for the players to wrap their minds around. I guess in the grand scheme of things, two strokes between where Scotty is at 10 under and where Patrick will start the week at 8 under isn't that much. I'll go back to the bottom of the list, though. If you're one of those guys, Adam Scott, I'll point out at even par. Like, I'm just curious 
how do you start the week 10 strokes back? I know it's 72 holes. I know anything can happen, and that's what we say. But forget about 72 holes. It's not even 10 strokes. It's how many people are ahead of you between you and the lead. I, I just don't see it. It seems to me what we've done, we've, we've compressed an already compressed field. So there's only 29 players here, 30 normally. But I can only imagine 10, maybe? 15 it, it, tops look, who could actually win this? It's, it's of, of vital importance that you are the top seed in this. It might not seem like it. It seems like a two-shot lead with four rounds to go. It doesn't seem like it's anything. Like I've made the point on this podcast a couple of times. You could win 10 times in the season. You could win the Grand Slam, and your only reward for being the best player all season long was having a two-shot lead. You could literally snap hook it on the first tee, make double, your opponent makes par, and you are all of a sudden, all of that good work for the season has been wiped out and you are now level par, uh, level playing field with 71 holes to go. However, over the first three years of this format, the number one seed, the player who entered the tour championship in the number one spot has won two of those three years. The year that they didn't was with Justin Thomas in 2019. Roy McIlroy was five shots back and he roared back to win. But even Justin Thomas, who clearly had the best year in 2019, according to the FedEx Cup point standings, he still finished in third place. And so it's not like you're going to see a guy absolutely free fall. More likely than not, they are going to win the tournament. When I asked Patrick Cantlay, I said, how are you approaching this year? I asked him this on Sunday at the BMW Championship. Last year, uh, he had the lead two-shot lead heading in the season finale. This time he is trailing by two shots. He said his goal is to shoot in the 60s all four rounds at East Lake. Should not be uh, overly challenging to do. It's warm, it's hot, uh, it's slow, it's soft. Uh, players should be able to, to score pretty well this week. I think back to John Rahm and Kevin Na, who shot 14 under and a low 72 total. You know, you haven't been here in a decade. Uh, I haven't, uh, but I've also covered the East Lake Cup, which is uh, a critical uh, part of our college coverage, right? So I have been to East Lake. I have not it's covered like tour championship, however, exactly like this, exact same conditions. And so, look, Scotty Scheffler is in the driver's seat. It doesn't seem like it's a huge advantage with two shots. Historically, though, uh, that has proved to be very important. And I'll throw the curveball out there. And this this is a worst case scenario for the tour. And I said this. Today. Oh yes, eat it up. Yes, yes. Cam Smith. Cam Smith. Uh, no, it's not Cam Smith. That's not what I was even getting into. I was yes. saying the worst case scenario is Will Zalatoris. As you pointed out before he withdrew, he was third starting the week at seven under par, just three strokes back. When so he withdrew from the tournament, he was He first. withdrew and he will finish 30th. 30th. You do 500K. the math. 500K. So the difference, let, let's just say for the sake of argument, Will Zalatoris, who clearly was playing well because he won the first playoff event in Memphis. So you do the math on the difference between $500,000, a significant amount of money, and $18 million. I'm not good at math, but I can, I can figure that out. And third that's place. Third place. Had, had he just maintained his position, would have been worth $5 million. <laughs> I can do that math, too. <laughs> 4.5. He lost $4.5 million. On its face. A, 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 very, a very untimely back injury did i float my theory rex last week on the podcast that i believe the fedex cup champion should be crowned 
at the end of the Wyndham Championship, and then you just have a playoff free-for-all? I mean, I, I did this today on Sobel Show. I, I don't want to do it again. I, I don't know what – No, no, no players I'm like – I'm going to sit here and criticize because I, I don't have a better option. And, no, I, I do. don't like this, but I don't have a better option. So I'm not going to buy into whatever it is, what fantasy world you want to live in. No, I'm not doing this. What I would do okay. is I would either crown the FedEx Cup champion after the Wyndham Championship. So that was the best player all season long. Because what they're getting tied up in and what players don't like is that you could have some weird things happen in the Tour Championship. Let's say you, you hate Eastlake. You play poorly there every year. You are never going to win the FedEx Cup. It doesn't matter if you have a two-shot lead. It doesn't matter whether you're trailing by eight. You are never going to win if you do not play this golf course well. That probably brings me to another point that this thing should be rotating around the season finale. Uh, but that's a topic for another podcast. But sure. what they're having, they're having trouble doing is differentiating between the best player all season long and the player who also gets hot at the right time of year and cashes in. My proposal, Rex, is to crown the FedEx Cup champion at the end of the regular season. It's equivalent to the NFL MVP, which is a regular season award. No playoff performance is factored into that. And so they said last year, Aaron Rodgers was the best player in the NFL during the regular season. Thus, he is the NFL MVP. That didn't necessarily translate to the Super Bowl, right? Otherwise, you'd think Matthew Stafford, wow, or Aaron Donald. You have to be the NFL MVP. Do not factor in the playoff performance. Why is the PGA Tour doing that then? Call it a regular season award. Scotty Scheffler, I would say, was a resounding FedEx Cup champion this year. He's uh, probably the front runner for the PGA Tour Player of the Year as well. Actually, not just probably. Extremely likely, especially given Cam Smith's uh, future plans. So create the FedEx Cup championship and the champion at the end of the Wyndham Championship, and then have this playoff free-for-all. I think that's what you can get creative with the format. You can still have this trimming down from 70 to 50. You can do it based on how you played in the previous week, and then you can get to East Lake Rex, and I would do either 36 holes or 54 holes of stroke play qualifying. Then you get into match play on the weekend with $18 million on the line, and just have that be the playoff champion, the, the call it whatever you want, but separate it from actually saying that this was the best player all season long. That's where they're really getting tied up and, and why I don't think any player uh, has the full support of this staggered start system. I could not be more bored with you trying to come up with a solution to this. I just couldn't. That's so, the solution. That's the solution. Oh. You can do really? you can do whatever you, you can do whatever yourself you want. You, think you come up with a solution. You know what? I have Jay's number on my phone. I'll send it to you. You can just call him. You guys can work it out. How about that? Uh, he, he's he would probably pick up. He's probably in a celebratory mood tonight. Uh, something tells me he's been busy today. I don't know. He's probably talked out. You know, what uh, I mean? every time every time I saw him, he was giving hugs. He was handshaking, yeah. smile, smile. But you don't think when he got back to the hotel room tonight, he's like, oh, just give me an IPA. I'm so tired. God. Make it a double at this at this courtyard. Do you think he's going to be at this PGA Tour comms dinner? Uh, I don't think he will be, but that would be awesome if he is, because I have plenty of questions. Starting All with right. the pip. Give me a champion. Give me a dark horse. Who you got? I mean, this is dumb. When you're going to ask me for a champion when we're starting with Scotty Scheffler's at ten under par. Give me Scotty. How about that? 
Why? Because he's at 10 under par. It's a two-shot lead. It's a two-shot lead. As I just mentioned, he can snap hook his first tee shot out of bounds, and it's a level playing field. Uh, and I would put uh, – I mean, I think Patrick Cantley's um, certainly right there, one and two, and I guess I can make a very good argument why history is going to repeat itself after he won the BMW Championship. However, if you look at his record here at this event before last year, it was awful. He had not played this golf course well at all. He's a West Coast guy. It's hot. It's Bermuda grass. It's everything that goes into the things that guys from the West Coast don't like. So I just, and you can say the same thing probably about Xander Shoffley. And he's fourth slash third now that Will Zalatoris in the mix. No one has played, no one has played this golf course better since 2017 than Xander Shoffley. And it's not even close. Okay. Like he's absolutely slaughtering folks when it gets to. So he's four shots back. You don't want to get into the worst case scenario, Cam Smith at four under. He's six back, tied for six right I, now. You I mean, if you're if, if you're if you're not rooting for that scenario, then then we just can't be friends. I mean, I'm not rooting for that scenario. Absolutely not. I mean, I, I don't just need, for the chaos, just for the need, awkwardness. I don't need the chaos, and and I, I intended to write this column, and I think I teased it actually either last week or the week before on the podcast. Sorry, I didn't get around to this. So the idea being that the balance for player of the year will go out on Sunday night. That That's the way they do it now. It's just an electronic deal and they have to be back within, I think they give them three or four days. So you got to be back before Wednesday or Thursday. In theory, Cam Smith, if he is going to live golf, we don't know if he is or not, because he's not talking about it, which is probably more of an indication that he is, but he will not have made an announcement by then. And I'm fascinated by the idea that if he wins on Sunday and suddenly he has four victories Scotty has four victories. They both have a major. Cam Smith has a players. He's got a FedEx Cup. By all rights, if you were just looking at resumes, Cam Smith should be player of the year. I found it fascinating talking to players. I talked to about a half dozen guys about this, and they all agreed that, yes, based on his play on the golf course, I would vote for him as player of the year. And they, But they all gave the caveat that if two days later he announces he's going to live golf, that they would want to do some sort of recall. Which I thought, well, that's just messy and dumb. Like, the tour is not going to do that. I mean, if Cameron Smith wins the FedEx Cup, he is the player of the year. He won a major. He won the fifth major. He won another tour event. And then he wins the crown jewel against the 29 best PGA Tour players all season long, overtaking the Masters champion in the process. He would have had to come from six shots behind. Like, I saw a stat that Cameron Smith has made birdie on 30% of the holes in which he hit the green. Not even Tiger was doing that in his heyday. The dude has had an absolutely unbelievable year. If if neither Scotty But would you nor, vote for him? If if neither if neither Scotty nor Cam Smith won the FedEx Cup, I would vote for Scotty as my player of the year. If Cameron Smith won the FedEx Cup, of course he's the player of the year uh, for the 2021-2022 season. Even if, it, even, even, even if it's awkward, even if it's complicated, even if it's messy, even if it's a slap in the face to the PGA Tour and a, and a huge uh, boost to live golf, it would, it would be disingenuous to vote for anyone other than him. By the way, the other event that you, the other event that he won that you dismissed so offhandedly. Cent- Century, Century Tournament of Champions, Champions which, is, which is now an elevated event on the PGA Tour. It is, and I've been with told. A, with, a, with a record performance. Uh, shooting 34 under par and outdoing then world number one John Rom was that was that good enough for you was that sufficient? Yes, because it was very dismissive how you went uh, the a major the fifth major, the FedEx Cup oh and an, another event like come on 
Gives him due. That's like Scotty. He won Phoenix. He won Bay Hill. He won the match play, and he won the Masters. All, all of Scotty's, all of Scotty's, all in the spring. What are we doing about that? Like two months. Should he be the yeah the two month player of the year? Uh, no. Is Scotty is Scotty's run over? Uh, Rex, no, is calm. Rex, Rex is Rex is calm. No, I'm not writing that. I would I would challenge though, and I agree with you based on if Cam Smith and huge if because I don't even think he's playing his best golf right now. But if Cam Cam Smith wins this week, I agree based on his resume, he should win Player of the Year. Keep in mind, this is very much a popularity contest. I can point to half a dozen examples of, and there's probably play. only like 17 guys who are, who are submitting a vote. But a lot of managers, so managers pay attention. In this particular case, though, what happens two days later when he announces? Do you rescind it? What do we do? Do you, do you ask for the award back? Do you excommunicate him? Yeah, I don't know how that plays out. Although I, I'm going to be in your camp, like watching it play out would be fun. Oh, it would be absolutely delicious. So you did not. So you so you picked Scotty as your winner. Who's your dark horse? Uh, well, I, I I think I've made it pretty clear. I'm not going too far down the list simply because I, I don't feel with the staggered scoring. Like, I, I don't care how well Billy Horschel plays. He's not coming from nine strokes back, even over 72 holes. I just don't see that happening. I guess if I have to pick someone, Rory's had some success here. He's starting six strokes back. He's done it before from, I think you just pointed out, five strokes back. So I would put pick Rory as my dark horse. Does that, does that work? He says. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> he says, question mark, I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, <laughs> beginning the week at, at four under par. I'm, I'm going with Patrick Cantlay. Uh, he's, he's actually... He seems to be playing. That's a dark horse. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm going, I'm going for my champion. This is my champ. My champion is Patrick Cantley. Oh, I think okay. he makes up the two shot deficit. Uh, I think he's, he's playing uh, the scores, might not in, in, indicate, I actually think he's playing at a more complete level uh, than he was at this time uh, last year. Scotty Scheffler though, Rex, you may not know this since you dismissed uh, my prior history at East Lake. Scotty Scheffler, former East Lake cup champion. Yes, that's right, folks. Scotty Scheffler once thing. he he once shot the lowest score for 18 holes, and they gave him a trophy. Uh, and actually, he was credited with a, a win, an official win in college golf for shooting the best score uh, for 18 holes against 19 other players. That was an actual thing that happened. However, I do not think that experience is going to help him uh, this week. I think Cantlay gets it done, becomes the first to defend his FedEx Cup title for a dark horse. Dude, you know who I am. I'm the agent of chaos. Give me Cameron Smith. Six shots behind, heading into the first round. Talked to him today. He said his hip's feeling uh, a lot better. Uh, he said, look, six shots is not all that much to make up. I'm in it for the chaos. I'm in it for the pandemonium. I'm in it for the sheer awkwardness. Cameron Smith is my dark horse. He's playing uh, the first round, by the way, uh, with tour stalwart. Roy McIlroy should be very entertaining. How much chit chat you think is going on there? I mean, they're two friendly guys. They're probably talking, right? Like they're not. Roy <laughs> said today that he called Cam Smith two days after the open at St. Andrews, obviously to congratulate him on winning uh, the Claire jug, but also he wanted to lay out all the facts of this is what's coming down in the pipeline. I know what you've been offered with live golf. Uh, just wanted you to be aware that this is what your future could look like. Now, it certainly appears that Cam Smith uh, is not heeding that advice and is going his separate ways with Live Golf. However, Rory manned up and called him, 
So I kind of I kind of like that move. I don't think it'll be overly frosty. Rory's not that kind of guy, and Cam Smith certainly isn't that type of guy. No, they're two friendly guys. They just have difference of opinion. And I difference, think difference large, of opinion. Yeah. And I think by and large, and I think we went over this two weeks ago when the court case went down. I think by and large, there has been a live and let live, pardon the pun, no pun intended. Whoa. Attitude here that I think what I picked up in the UK was fill your boots. Like whatever you think is best for you and your family, go do it. It did not become personal, personal. It did not become nasty until the lawsuit last week. And so I think Rory can separate the art from the artist on this front. And I have a hard time believing if Cameron Smith uh, does join Live Golf that he would be joining the lawsuit, uh, which is set to uh, go to court. Nine players uh, now, by the way. It's down to nine players. In January 2024. Uh, Rex, we have a dinner to get into, folks. If you uh, made it all the way through this podcast, which is definitely extended over an hour, you got to hear that live and let live uh, pun from Rex. Uh, I hope that was well worth the wait. Make sure you guys check out uh, all of our content this week on golfchannel.com. We'll be filing daily unless we don't feel like uh, doing anything uh, with this limited field. One of us is just going to have to, I don't know, if we could just delegate, get the late start, hit the gym, go to a Braves game. Who knows? Braves Let's game. see what happens. Are they, Braves home? Game. Are they home? I don't know. Haven't, haven't even checked, uh, but I can, probably still have some connections nmlb.com but thank you guys for listening to this edition the golf central podcast presented by callaway golf we'll be back next monday for a full pga tour season breakdown uh and everything you need to know from the tour championship we'll talk to you guys next week